0: Praise God. Amen. We'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us, we welcome you. We're so glad that you're here worshiping with us today. If you're joining us online, we welcome you today as well. Let's give our guests a a warm welcome if we can. Praise God. Praise God. If I could have your attention again here quickly. I made a little bit of a scheduling snafu. Jesus is coming right now. <laughs> Blow the trumpet. Uh, I made a little bit of a... Uh, details are not my strong suit, so thankfully the Lord's given me a wife who is. I made a boo-boo here. The funeral is not at Antioch tomorrow. It is at Barranco's in Severna Park at 11. The repast will be at Antioch following the burial. We need help if you can... Oh, and ladies and men, uh, we need help on food, main dishes, sides for the repast. Um, the drop-off time for that tomorrow is between 10 and 1. The food goes to the church. The funeral is at Barranco's. If you get all this right, you are awesome. Funeral's at Barranco's at 11.00. The repast is at the uh, church in Arnold. If you're able to help us out, I know a lot of you work, and it's Monday, and I get it, I, and I, I respect that. But if at all possible, if you could help us with either uh, a main dish or a side or a dessert or something of that nature, could you please drop that off between 10 and 1? If you have information or you want more information, you can see my wife. She can help you with that. But please, if you would, help us out tomorrow with that. Uh, we're joining together with Central to help do this, so we're pulling our weight, and they're pulling their weight, so we need to make sure that we do that. Amen! I think that's enough of all that, and now that I've even completely confused you, or you have no idea what's going on, hopefully we'll send an email tonight to to, to straighten it all out. But, so excited today, he's trying to get off the hook, he's like a fish swimming upstream, and I'm yanking on it quickly, and it ain't gonna happen, so... Brother Chomley, you're not getting off the hook today. Would you come and let's minister the word today?
1: With the week I've had, I figure if I just sit here in silence for for a few minutes, maybe the fire alarm will go off and I can get out of this. Anybody ever had one of those weeks? I uh, want to apologize to you a little bit, not apologize, but just let you know my situation here with the blinking and these silly things. I have uh, destroyed my pair of glasses. They're rather expensive. I have an eye disease called something really serious, uh, but it's uh, just a misshaping of the cornea. So uh, I have no glasses. So three years ago I bought a pair of glass-permeated contacts. Anybody ever wear those? Other than me, yeah, that's how popular they really are. It's basically putting glass in your eye. That's what it is, and um, it it hurts, and I'm trying to get used to it. My vision's pretty good looking at you, but we're going to try to read a little bit, and that's going to be challenging. So if I'm a little out of sorts, uh, that's what it is, and along with a great week, got up this morning and uh, went to iron something. Iron was out. It's just one thing after the other. Everybody been there? But you know, that makes it really good to come in the house of God when you got something to praise God about. I, I'm sorry, but it, it really is a good, it is a blessing. And, uh, I, uh, I want to, I want to say thank you all. And, uh, a few weeks we'll be going to my Yankee land home in New Hampshire. And, uh, there are some, amen, amen. We, we're going to get Brother Whittington converted. He went to and spent some time in Boston, not my, but, uh, he liked it quite a bit. So. And all you in Arkansas, were trying to convert him. And, uh, you know, there are some things when I go home that I can eat or want to eat that I don't eat any other place. Not that they're not good. I love shepherd's pie. Y'all ever heard of shepherd's pie? Man, I love shepherd's pie. I don't know why. My mother, I, I don't know, mom, if you make the best shepherd pie, but to me, you do and 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 shepherd pie we'll eat that maybe with some corn in the cob, fresh from the garden, and then my mom had made some ice cream. she's always going to make homemade ice cream and a homemade apple pie, and we're going to put that all together, and we're going to top it off with New Hampshire maple syrup. Not that answer your mind stuff y'all that that ain't syrup. Real maple syrup. Now, I'm telling you, I can't eat that anyplace else. But when I go home, that's what I eat because some things just taste better where they belong. And I'm trying to tell you that Jesus belongs in this house. And our praise and our worship seems right in certain places. Yes, everywhere. But when we come together and we soften our hearts and we focus, you know, oh, Lord, I got to read a text. I am going to get in trouble right... I don't wait like he does. I just get in trouble right away. I am so tired of us calling ourselves apostolics, Pentecostals, aluminum foil, tin foil, this hat, that hat, you know, I'm a this and I'm a that. I'm sick of it. Listen, I'm here to worship Jesus Christ. And I'm glad he was crucified. I'm glad he was resurrected. I'm glad he's still alive. I'm glad he's here. Let's make this thing about Jesus, not titles. stop it Mm. if you want to identify with something identify with Jesus Christ and him crucified Mm. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 I've asked brother Bickley to read a little bit because I can't see I really can't and I have to read a little bit today we're just going to pray that God blesses me brother Bickley would you start and if I interrupt you understand it's a preacher interruption right Verse 17. Mike, check. One, two. It's
2: the blue. Tell them it's the blue. It's the blue. There you go. There we go. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind.
1: You see, we started here. How long ago was it, Pastor Joel? A couple years ago? I, I remember coming to to west and i remember we were talking about heart and mind and we've never stopped and i hope we never do right i had somebody recently say to me that said well god knows my heart i thought i looked at that poor dear saint and said yes he does and that's a scare you have to death amen go ahead brother bickley
2: having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of god through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have learned, have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, And that ye be put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness.
1: Wherefore, because of all of this, now we're going to, he's going to explain something. He's going to give us some very practical things. and. I, I told my wife, my poor wife, she's so nice to me. It, it, you, you ever feel the pressure to perform, Pastor Wright? It, you just, it's so immense, and, and a lot of it comes from just us, but we feel that way whether we want to admit it or not. And I guess I knew I had such a practical message this morning that I was a little ashamed and embarrassed, but um, God has convinced me through the watering of worship that he knows best. Amen? Amen. But wherefore, wherefore what, Brother Rick? Look at how practical this got... After you have a renewed mind, after you've put off the old man, after you've put on the new man. You know what? I worked in a particular country some time ago that I don't want to mention, but it was poor. It was beyond poor, it was really poor and an earthquake had happened there we were, we were bringing people uh, food and we were bringing them clothes and we were cleaning them up and, and we, we watched it we would give them soap and water they didn't even have hot showers and we would feed them and clean them all up cut their hair do whatever they needed and then they would try to put their old clothes back on that were filled with all kinds of things you don't want me to describe what they were filled with that's what it's like when God gives you that first work of a new man a new mind a new person Thank in Christ you. and you try to put on the old Old man again, yes, yes yes, it's like putting on an old, smelly coat
0: again on, Amen. amen. Go ahead, brother.
2: wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, never give place to the devil, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labour working with his hands a thing which is good. That he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you.
1: Let, let, me, let me step into the office that I think I have for just a moment, and hopefully that will be okay. I'll be right back. This morning in the shower, the Lord spoke to me very clearly that the five of us, meaning you, Brother uh, Michael Jetty, Brother Bickley, Pastor Wright, and myself, if we don't die at the level that we're walking in now— we'll never see the destiny God has us for. And I want you to know that we're committed to that. I want you to know that we're trying to get there at this level. I want you to know that we covet your prayers and we need your prayers and your support to get there. Because it's not that it's all about us, but we sure can mess it up real good, can't we? And we need to have a tender heart one towards another. And we're not there yet. But we're getting there. There's one thing that annoys me more than anything else. Is a, we need pastors and preachers and evangelists that will just tell you like a T.I. is. We'll be honest and open with you. And we don't have it all together. I know that shocks some of you. But I want you to know we are trying. Amen.
0: Come on, come Amen. on man. All right. Come on, speak it, sir.
1: I want to focus on this verse, the last verse, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as god has forgiven you in christ for christ's sake as he forgiven you i I looked up this this greek word for tender-hearted and it is you that's the best i could do with it and it refers to the intestines here we go back with the intestines and the liver and all of these other things and i thought to myself now that's strange here is tender-hearted being defined at least in part as the intestines uh, let's see if I can see. Having strong bowels is the, one of the outlines of the biblical uses to have strong bowels. Now, what in the world does a tender heart have to do with having strong bowels? Well, in, ancient, uh, in antiquity, in the ancient biblical times, and, and even today, really, we, we make adverses to it, like I feel it in my gut or whatever. We, we understand that in antiquity, in biblical times, that the intestines of the bowels were considered to be the seat of of this emotion, this intense compassion. Strong's defines tenderhearted as well-compassioned. We need to be well-compassioned. We don't need more doctrine, more preaching. I'm I'm all for it. We don't need to do away with it. Don't get me wrong. But if there's one thing that God is bringing us to, and He is doing it to us, I saw it here today, is that He's drawing a people that will learn how to be well-compassioned. There is a wave of people wanting not to come back to a church, not to come back to a personality, not to come back to me. I don't ever want to hear you say something possessive like that. They want to come back to Jesus Christ. They're just looking for people that will shut up and show off the compassion of Jesus Christ. How am I doing so far? The word compassion in the dictionary, I looked it up, it said sympathetic pity and concern for the suffering and misfortunes of others. Compassion. It's what motivates people to go out of their way to help others. I used to preach, you know, and I I still believe it. I used to teach people, you know, you could start a habit with God like prayer or meeting early in the morning and you could work from that habit into a a vibrant relationship with God. And that's somewhat true. But until your heart's engaged, you'll just have a habit. And your heart needs to be well-compassioned. So if this is considered or related to having an intestine or strong bowels, then you could say, and I'm going to say and draw the parallel, that good spiritual digestion means to be well-compassioned. And if you notice what I read to you today it's this progression. Because God did the first works in your life, because Jesus died for you and I and loved us first, because He created the world, you and I had nothing to do with these things, because God always does that first work. It all responds to Him. We can't take credit for anything that He does. If you have a renewed mind, if you've ever fellowship with God and the anointing of God to get a new mind, you had little to do with that other than volunteering forward and saying, I will. That was His first work, but there is another work in which you and I must fellowship with, and I'd like to equate that with you, maybe give you something to talk about in your small groups, that to good digestion. Uh, one of the first principles keeping in mind is where a nude mind is, that you must maintain good spiritual digestion. Has anybody Is anybody suffering from a stomach ache today? Anybody have... Bowel problems, stomach problems. You ever had any kind of problems at all? Look at this. They have no problems. Nobody has any problems. (laughs) I think it should go without saying that physically speaking, it's important to have good digestion. And when you don't have it, you know about it. It's interesting. In the Hebrew, in the Jewish religion, believe it or not, they have a prayer for when you um, exercise good digestion, when you go uh, and relieve yourself. It's called Asher Yetzer and, it, and it, it's, it's called the bathroom prayer affectionately. And uh, on, on, I'm serious. They're serious about it. And I hope by the end of the day, as funny as it may be, you might get serious about it. Because if you've never had that blessing, you know what it's like. It's the blessing of being able to eliminate what doesn't need to be hanging around. Oh, I'm going to get you today. Somehow God's going to work through these bad eyes to get you. But, you know, there is a blessing in eliminating what doesn't need to be around. General general medical consensus. And I'd like to try to read some things that I wrote because there are some medical folks here and I just didn't want to get it wrong. So bear with me and we'll go somewhere. Much more important. But general medical consensus is that digestion affects the entire body. You ever heard the old adage that you are what you eat? I I like to eat. I think you can see that. I'm kind of a connoisseur of food. Amen. I I like to eat. And uh, man. But I would like to suggest to you today, especially spiritually, that you're not what you eat. You're what you digest. We live in a world where many of you, if not all of you, have YouTube and iTube and PooTube and all this other stuff you watch. I don't even know what half of it is. And and I I get all the time people send me messages, listen to this guy, listen to that guy. I, I just found out who Steve Furtick was the other day. Somebody sent me, a couple people sent me Steve Furtick messages. I didn't know who he was. I don't like listening to other people's messages because if God can't speak to me, then I got nothing to say. And I don't think it's wrong to, but what I am trying to say is, you know, you ever eaten a good steak, and for sailors and Marine Corps people, it takes about five minutes to get that steak down. I still eat, Brother Jolin, like this. I have one, you know, like on a ship, you're always rolling around, and everybody's, Brother Jetty, everybody's around, and, and you know, you just had one hand like this, because if the guy next to you reached over, plus you're holding on, but if he reached over for what you had, man, he was going to get a fork. In the hand. I still eat like that. You know because. After a while. I'm sorry I'm gone. I'm really gone. After a while you know. you, You learn that some of these these uh uh nc uh, some of the officers they like to they like to do drills while you're out in the way and they love to do it at lunchtime so you got 30 minutes to eat you got to go through line you sit down people are looking at your food and all of a sudden you don't want to hear now hear this this is a drill this is a drill and you got to get up and run to wherever you're supposed to be general quarters general quarters and your meal is sitting there do you really think it's going to be there when you get back so I still eat like this, Brother Joel, and I it's just a really habit. It takes me about five minutes to put down a good steak. But it takes my body about eight hours to digest it. And that's how many of you are today. You put so much into you via YouTube and these other channels and other preachers and everything. You can put so much in, but that doesn't mean you can digest it. It'll get better if you pray. Let me read a little bit. <laughs> I heard that, Brother Jack. <laughs> you know, before we go too far, we, we have to have compassion for souls. And I'm going to get in trouble again. But there is no verse in the Bible that tells you to go win souls.
0: doesn't say It All right. doesn't yeah. say
1: it. I know what you're thinking, but that doesn't say it. Jesus gave us a living example himself. He, he said things like, I must go, I must needs go through Samaria. In other words, I must go be compassionate. I must go have passion and compassion on other people that nobody else will. This is the example we are to follow. And when you get there, love people as Christ loved you. Oh, this doesn't go well with an apostolic crowd. I get it. I really do get it. But God is changing us. He's changing our culture. And you can't get that always through screaming and yelling and traditional preaching. you got to slow down a little bit. And you got to say some things that people will think about and maybe even take exception to because God has a course for us and a destiny. I hate to use an over-cliched word, but God really does have a destiny for Antioch West and all of you in this place. And we're going to get there, but we're not going to get there via traditional methods. The purpose of food to digest, the medical brains tell me, that is, is the purpose that nutrients can be extracted and put in the bloodstream. If it's not in the bloodstream, what, what point is it? The whole point of solid matter and breaking it down through digestion is to get it into your bloodstream. Isn't that ironic? I hope you can see the parallels. Perhaps you can draw them in your small group. But Leviticus and other places, God says the life is in the blood. And we know Paul said, in him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. Do you want? I'm going to make a statement that I'm not sure I can support, but I think we can affect even the blood of Jesus Christ by what we put in that doesn't belong. You going to go home with me tonight, Sister Trombley? The medical folks tell me that the saliva glands, the the mouth that produces a liter of saliva every day. That that was an amazing fact. Saliva moistens the food and contains digestive enzymes which break down carbohydrates. We're we're really talking about the Holy Spirit here, the, the watering of the word. The tongue is a little organ in which we speak, but it also has another purpose. It's used to push food back to the throat so that it can be swallowed in the esophagus. I'm not really sure, but maybe this is part of what James was referring to when he said that things like the tongue is a a little uh, member of the body, but it creates a, a great fire. Maybe that's because the tongue allowed things to get inside that weren't desired or meant to be digested spiritually by you. And therefore that tongue came out with the wrong things. What I'm trying to say is it's as important what you let into your heart. It's important what you let into your life. Not everything that comes at you needs to be digested. I told you it was a simple message. How am I doing, Lord? I didn't say it yet. Where are you, Lord? All right. Good for you. Here's another weird fact that I dug up. The esophagus is long and narrow muscular tube that carries the food down to the stomach. Food is to be pushed along this tube in a wave-like motion called something I can't pronounce. This action is so strong, they say, that even if you were standing on your head, you would still be able to push food in your stomach. I've heard Bishop Wright say for years that the neck, spiritually, is, is like the ministry the, the, between God and the saints. And, and that's really our job, is to push spiritual food down uh, for people to eat good spiritual food not regurgitate theology or traditional mores or anything else. I don't care what the party line is. I only care what the word of God says. The stomach must prepare food for the get this, the stomach must prepare food for the liver and spleen which in turn prepares the heart and the brain. It's not just what we eat, but it's how we eat. Our lifestyles and overall conditions also affect our digestion. The same is obviously true spiritually. Just like physical failure to digest can cause discomfort and lead to medical problems, disorders, and serious disease, spiritual digestion is particularly damaging. You know, God created the body. Not that we could distinguish one between the other. The body the spirit. Flesh, this... They, they go together. This is a reflection of the spiritual realities that we deal with. God doesn't make mistakes. When he designed the digestive system in your body, he didn't make a mistake. Seg- you all getting this so far? Put these on so I can't see you. Amen. So what happens when you don't have good digestion? You have indigestion, Right? Indigestion is known to cause ulcers, stomach cancer, even, and even cause death, and a variety of other things that many of you know or well acquainted with. Probably, hopefully not. So, if you have poor digestion, then you have you have no thoroughfare, no no through, no thoroughfare is probably the right word for the, for the food to get in and the nutrients to go into your body. The same is when you have an offense or you're angry and you're not well-compassioned. No matter what you put in there, there's not a real thoroughfare for that manna from heaven that that, that Jesus said that he is the bread. He came, he went from Bethlehem or Bechlechem, the house of bread. We're supposed to eat from the hidden manner of Christ. But even in that, if you have blockage inside your digestive Spiritually speaking, you will have trouble. And I'm looking around this room and I see many of you, especially you older folks, that have problems. I'm not trying to be critical, but I need to jar you a little bit. I'm so... God. Let me rephrase it. God is so tired of us and our petty little ways. I'm including myself in this. If anybody has failed at this, it is me. I'm going to move on from that. (laughs) I'm not the pastor. Maybe that's what meant Paul said things like that the word would have free course. I don't know. But the word has to have free course in you. And we're doing well. This isn't a rebuke. I'm not getting on you. Nothing like that. Actually, if a, if a strong direct word comes, it's a confirmation that you're doing well and it's a little stimulation to go just a little bit further. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if we would all be well-compassioned, not worry about how we look, what we wear, what we don't wear, not worry about how you're doing, if you're in leadership, or if he preaches a better message than me, or if your group is bigger than his group, or etc., etc. Et can you imagine if we really got to the place where all we cared about was being well-compassioned to each other's? We wouldn't be in this place long. Right, that's right. How many hurting souls are out there? They've got church hurt. They've been wounded. They've been wrong. They've been wrong. Let's, let's be honest. Let's not pretend they, they don't have a grievance occasionally. Let's not pretend that it doesn't happen in the height of our zeal when we want to preach our doctrine or we want to come to church and we're not feeling well, we give a wrong look or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. But it's not well-compassionate at all times. I, 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 I saw President Obama give an award to a woman. Uh, I'm a recovering political addict. And if you're hooked on politics left, right, or center, you need to, you need to get away from it. You need to get away from it. I'm not asking you not to vote. You need to get away it. It's the most divisive, satanic thing on the face of the earth today. Left, right, or center. And you sit there and you watch your brand of news and they are brainwashing you. And you are willfully submitting to that brainwashing. Politics has become a religion which its adherents have more faith in what they believe than we do in that word. True. My God. True. My God. But I saw President Obama award this elderly uh, African-American woman that I had never heard of. Many of you have probably watched the movie that was made as a result of her life called Hidden Figures. Anybody ever seen that movie? Man, if you haven't seen that movie, you've got to see it. But it was based on her true life. And her name was Catherine Goble Johnson. And she lived, she was born in the early 30s, back when there was no busing, there was nothing. It was complete segregation, although, you know, it's like the old independence. All men are created equal. All men are free. They've been freed. But hundreds of years later, we find that really, essentially, people are still in bondage. And that saddens me when the church finds itself 10, 20 years in the same place.
2: Yep. Amen. True. Right. Right.
1: Right. Uh, True. Booker T. Washington said something to this effect. Booker T. Washington said something to this effect that I refuse to let any man bring hatred into my soul. You know, you, you're the captain of your ship. You control your destiny, but you must make conscious decisions. Sister Mary Knotts came up with a term in small groups the other day. She said, y- you need to come present. In other words, you need to get out of the videos of your past, leave the wounds of history alone, and you need to come presence into where you are now and come presence into the Word of God and the promises of God. You need to progress yourself and make yourself decide that I'm going to walk and live and put my life on the line for those words. And Catherine Goble Johnson, she, she, uh, she was uh, gifted, they say, at birth from at birth, all of her life, and you watched, many of you watched the movie, she would just count everything, she'd count the steps, she'd count everything, and she had a gifted mind, she was probably one of the most brilliant mathematicians to ever live, and she had several degrees by the time she was even out of high school, I believe, and what was known as NACA back then, and now as NASA, employed her, along with other African American women, which was unheard of in the nineteen late 1950s, early 1960s, believe it or not. Not that long ago. You think about it. Brother Jetty, you talked about dehumanization. This woman lived a life. Well, I mean, it's one thing for us not to dehumanize people. but What happens if you get dehumanized? <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm talking to you about the power of Christ right now. So let me finish the story. She she uh, she rose to a place in NASA where she was on the inside. She stars with Kevin Costa. And uh, they were just getting brand new IBM computers at that time. But they took up a whole entire room and she could really outpace the computers. And the computers were giving information this way and then that way. And uh, who was the astronaut? I can't remember. John Glenn. John Glenn wouldn't even take off in the rocket without her analysis she was the reason why the russians through sputnik had beat, beaten us into space and the space race was on And this was a tumultuous time where the russians were ahead of us and we were all freaked out the commies are going to get us and nuclear bombs in space and all this other stuff and so god arranges somebody that's nobody that's in obscurity and causes this most unlikely candidate to be used to help us overcome i want to tell somebody that your obscurity is not for your end obscurity is god's way of developing your character It's in obscurity that God does His best work. In the obscurity, The Hidden Figures is the name of the movie, where nobody knows who you are and nobody knows your name, where God is doing His greatest work inside of you. But the key is, unlike us, most of us, we get all twisted up in our trials. hell, It doesn't matter whether it's health or race or anything else. The key is to keep it just like Catherine Goble Johnson did. Not perfect, but she never was dissu- dissuaded from her purpose. She knew this was her purpose and calling. The movie portrays, the, the at that time, there was segregated bathrooms. So she was the only African-American, period, and a woman to boot in a man's world inside this one room with a bunch of white folk and she couldn't drink from their coffee pot nobody wanted to touch her they tried to hand her the trash and to boot she had to walk a half a mile one way to go to the bathroom because the only colored bathroom was a half a mile away yet somehow she chose not to digest the dehumanization of others into her spirit And we can't get past a little church hurt, or oh, he didn't shake my hand, or oh, I don't like what he preached, uh, or I wish this one or that one. Uh, blah blah blah. I hope you don't stand next to Katherine Goldwell Johnson.
0: I'm trying to talk
1: to you seriously right now. God's trying to do something to us and through us. But we've got to look at our situations completely different. She rose to the top. If it weren't for Katherine Goble Johnson, we wouldn't have ever been able to get a man into the moon, or not to the moon, but into space Because she was the one that figured out that trajectory. That go, go no point where he could come back safely. John Glenn was in the rocket. It's reported. If I was a good preacher, I'd, you know, dramatically read it to you. But I don't feel like it. She was at the top of that mountain. John Glenn got on the phone and said, "NASA, I need that woman." <laughs> I can do it. John Glenn said, "I won't launch her unless Johnson is on the phone." That's really what happened. John Glenn said, look, the computers are saying this and they're saying that. I, and and you gotta understand the weight of it at that time. At that time, investing anything into a colored person was outrageous because that would be somehow an admission that they were equal to us, and we all know that they're not equal to us. You see, this is the humanation that she went through day after day after day after day. It wasn't a church service. It wasn't a bad word. It was a way of life. She didn't accept it. She didn't give in to it. She did fight it, but she didn't let it into her spirit. Because she knew their problem I can't let it be my problem. Right. They got a problem. Right. John Glenn said, call the woman. Call, I think he said, call that girl. I won't launch unless that girl gives the trajectory codes. So they rushed her on in, gave her a clearance in the movie. But she wasn't supposed to be. They brought her in there, and all the uptights were, we can't do this, we can't do this. What I'm trying to say is it's time to grow up.
0: Right. Come on. Yeah. Come
2: on, grow simple. Yeah. Yes, sir. It's simple. Yes, sir.
1: What what a what a group of people God would have if we would just take a lesson from Catherine Goebbel Johnson. Go watch the movie. I'll buy it for you if you don't have the money. I'm not trying to interject race. I'm trying to use an example that really kicks the legs out from the chair of our excuses. Nobody's dehumanized me like that. Nobody's, you know, I've had brushes with it different times, but I've never had to walk it, live it, eat it, and chew it. I know what it's like to be offended. I know what it's like to be crossed up, unfortunately. But I also know what it's like to make a decision like Catherine Goble Johnson. And say, and like Booker T. Washington, no, you are not going to have access to my mind and my heart. You are not going to take away me, my compassion for Jesus and for souls and for other people. I refuse to relinquish the high, oh boy. I refuse to relinquish the high ground because when you give the high ground, Brother Jolin is a is a military man. You've given up everything. You've almost lost the battle to get back up on that high ground. You're gonna, It's going to cost you many, many. In many lives, you cannot surrender the high ground of God's character. <laughs> but we do. We have all the promises in the Word of God. Again, if I was a good preacher, I would rattle them all off to you, but I don't feel like it. I feel like being plain. We surrender it so quickly, so quickly. Brother James, do you mind me using you real quick? It, it, sure, come here, brother. Come here. This 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 guy, man, he is wow. He is a stellar guy, man. I, I love him to death. Hey, buddy. Came to hear me preach, boy. He's, he's probably disappointed. <laughs> I, I I I I pastored his family in North County. Well, his wife's family in and and they they wanted to get married and. Out of all the family, I guess we didn't know you the most. Can I be open? Is it okay? You're not, you're not embarrassed, all right? Because if you are, I'm in big trouble. He's gonna dehumanize me. <laughs> they wanted to get married. she has said something about his wife. Said something about with James an atheist. I said, oh, okay. Well, what does that have to do with you getting married? Do you love him? Yeah. Does he love you? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, you know, I'll talk. We met, chatted, nothing serious. And, and I, I just, just, we, we just wanted to love him. And, 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 and we married him. And we had a great time, and we've, we've remained friends. And that's another thing you need to define friends. We don't hang out every day, but we're still friends. And about a year later or so, I got a call. Things ain't going well. And I said, well, welcome to marriage, James. <laughs> you know, and James, he just tolerates me. He's so kind. And, uh, and so because he was having problems with his marriage, I had an excuse to meet with him, to talk with him on the phone. And then I, I began to just gently, you know, talk to him about, or he talked to me about his past and being an atheist and, you know, all this stuff. Out, You know what I found out? He was probably never truly an atheist. He just had a lot of church hurt a lot of family hurt, a lot of things. And I didn't attack that. I didn't say, James, you're going to hell if you don't believe Jesus Christ. You better repent right now. Acts 2.38 says, "But In Jesus' name, and you better get it together, James. By God, hell is hot. Some of y'all do that. It, it, I don't know what planet you live on. But because I was well-compassionate at that time, I just loved him. In love to him, I won't embarrass you anymore. Sit down, brother. Give James a hand. I'm not tooting my horn. I'm tooting his horn. And through a well-compassioned heart, meaning my wife, James was baptized in Jesus' name, received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I didn't really have to teach him all that until after he received it because he witnessed a well-compassioned heart. But if you give up the high ground, if you give up God's high ground, you've given up everything. Every time you get upset, remember Catherine Goble Johnson. Remember, you don't really have... A leg to stand on next to women and other... We we could have used a lot of biblical figures, but I thought maybe we'd use somebody that's living. I think she's still living. She's got to be 99 by now. It's more effective. But when you get offended over certain different things or, you know, whatever it is, or I came to church and some moron said, you ain't supposed to have tattoos. Or some idiot commented on your skirt length. I'm sorry, Pastor, am I all right? What what he doing wearing an earring, man? Don't he know? Well, apparently he don't know. Shut up and love him. Come on,
0: young man. Come on, young. man.
1: I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. What are you trying to prove that you're not well compassionate? Point taken. You proved it. Oh, you don't know. He's gay. He ain't allowed to be in. Why not? Why not? Come
0: on, man.
1: Come
0: on, man.
1: Stop with your apostolic prejudice and pride. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It's a stench in God's nostrils. Just ask the Pharisees. I'm not saying we throw out things. I'm saying we keep... Well, actually, I am. I'm saying you throw out those things from your digestive system, if you will. Are you with me, GP? I'm a little dated, I know. Every day I learn terms and think I'm up to date and somebody says, you're so corny, Brother Trombley, that was so yesterday. (laughs) Do you understand what God is saying, not Brother Trombley today? Do you really understand what God is saying? Because if you would take it seriously, if you would take it as a challenge, not only would your life change, your family's life would change, and this family's life would change and other lives that have yet to be born into this family would be changed. You have not been dehumanized like Catherine Gobel Johnson. So some of the principles we could take away, and I'm going to try to close here, that we can learn from her life right away is that everybody has a hidden figure in their life. You're not self-made. And if you are self-made, Jesus has not much to do with you yet. There's somebody that prayed for you. I wish Mother Camp was here. I'd walk up and just give her a big hug. There's somebody behind the scenes that isn't known, that is in obscurity, that, 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 that has prayed for you and kept you. There's a woman in the back right over there. Raise your hand, Mother. Come on, sister. Uh, uh, with the glasses, my mind is escaping me back there. I love her to death. She's one of those women that are behind. Go ahead and stand up. Stand up for me. Come on now. That, that, that's one of God's people that are hidden. Thank you, Sister Claggett. I don't know what I was thinking. I had Sister Parrish on my mind, and that is just really shows you where my mind is at. The other thing is that God uses obscurity to develop you. Not just develop you, but to develop your character. Obscurity is not a punishment. It is a protection. And it is also a preparation. I I tell you, man, we don't have it too bad here, but people always want to be out front. People always want the mic. People always want to get in leadership. People always want... Some of you are so dumb... (laughs) Somebody just dangles a little carrot out in front of you, and you're like, (laughs) you're like my little Siberian husky. He'll do anything for food, anything. He'll do anything for food. He sits there, I sit there at my table with the glass table, he gets right up under that table and just stares at me. (laughs) It's good to want to help, it's good to want to serve, it's good to want to stay busy, but only unto the Lord. Learn how to say no to some things. And you'll be a lot better off. Amen. I feel like... The second takeaway is the mechanics for real growth involve suffering. Pastor Joel, just begin to prepare your spirit to build me out. The church, what we call the church and I believe God is preparing us for this, has always been blessed with a large amount of suffering. But the modern day church doesn't do suffering well. Because everything around us teaches us, this is your day. Or you have a right to this. The NAACP, the PPAC, the GBAC, the ABC, the ZFDABC, you will name it. All these organizations are there to fight for your rights. You have rights as an American. And now you have rights if you're not an American. Let me tell you something. When it comes to God's kingdom and his economy, you only have one right. And that's to keep your digestive system free and clear and know that God arranges moments of suffering whether physical or whether persecution from another person or even within the body for your personal spiritual growth but we don't we we just we just we don't want to deal with it oh boy I'm gonna just step out on a limb let me look some eyeballs I'll stay right here maybe she can protect me I read a book recently I'll uh, see if I can get it correctly, Brother Jetty. Seven reasons why the Filipinos will take over the world, written by a Filipino. It's hilarious. It's, it's got seven points, and they're all each one of the points is a Filipino word, so I don't understand it. But then it explains it in English. It's pretty, it's pretty hilarious. And I've always wondered, you know, if you've traveled at all, like we went to Singapore, for example, massive uh, population of Filipinos, and the Filipino church is amazing. Man, they get with it. They worship, they're evangelistic, they're unafraid. And if you go around the world, even to uh, Saudi Arabia and other places, you'll find Filipinos everywhere. Now, why would God do that? Because, let's let's be honest, Filipinos can be very tribal. They can be very sort of... I, I'm, I'm a Filipino, and that's what I am. But did you ever think that maybe God is scattering Filipinos around the world so that He can use you through your suffering to reach the world? You see, you have to look at yourself a little bit different. You can't accept the mode that, that God put, that the people put upon you. Well, that's a Filipino worker, or that's this, or that. You got to reject that, as Catherine Goble Johnson rejected what they tried to put on them, and know that God's hand is on your life and He's using you around the world for His great namesake. So when people come against you on your job or they minimize, marginalize, or dehumanize you, don't take it personal. It's going to happen. Don't think all people are like that because they're not. Rise above it. Stay true to your purpose. Don't let it in your spirit. <laughs> Refuse it or you'll lose it. We must be people that are purposeful in our living, not reactive. We cannot be a people that respond, but that are responsible to the edicts, commandments, and directions in the Word of God. When you respond, you play right into their game. And right out of God's game. Paul said in Philippians, and I'm trying to close here. Don't you love notes? It's just a futile purpose to try to get what God's saying into your personal spirit. <laughs> really some good stuff here. Philippians says 310 says, Paul says, that I may know him. How many want to know him? Amen. Not a trick question. How many want to know him? How many, to know him? how many want to know him more? Come on, come on. Here's how. And the power of his resurrection. And the Paul calls it the fellowship, the cononia of his suffering. Boy, that's not going to get me on Olsteen TV or any place else. I'm not trying to pick on Joel. I, I, I've heard a few messages from Joel. I'm, I'm fine, no problem. I'm just making a, a larger point. Don't get all twisted with me. I don't have anything against him. I don't have anything against anybody. Unless you come and tell me I did a terrific job after the service, and then I'm going to run away from you. <laughs> Flattery is your worst enemy. The fellowship of his suffering. Good to see you, brother and sister Arthur. I think that's you. Love you to death. It's good to have you here. I mean that sincerely. There's no hidden motive. I'm just I'm glad to see you. Everybody's got rights nowadays. It's sad when the church people adopt the world's posture. If, I, uh, you know, if, I may, if somebody looks at you wrong, you're like, Man, what you looking at, man? Hey! Oh, you go ahead and laugh, but there's a lot of you in here that do just that when you're outside of Sunday. You only show me what you're like on Sundays, but I know you're not the same Monday through. Because neither am I. Not perfect, but I'm determined. I'm determined. You know, every day being a preacher, a pastor, a minister, I have opportunities to get offended. Every single day. You know how God works? Three years ago, I bought these hard contacts and I couldn't wear them, they hurt too bad i just couldn 't do it. It feels like you literally have needles, glass in your eyes i just i just couldn 't get used to it. So God allowed for my glasses to be destroyed and forced me to go someplace i didn 't want to go see i didn 't want to suffer the pain and suffer the trial to get almost 20-20 vision. I was willing to settle for those glasses which left me legally blind in my left eye and half vision in my right. I was willing to settle for blindness or half sight, if you will, until forced into the suffering struggle to get clear vision. That, that's how vision is. We don't, we don't really want it and sometimes we're forced or driven into that vision we want to settle for a partial vision because it's more comfortable and when we settle for something that is partial we are really saying we're really saying to Jesus when he says passages like i will never leave you nor forsake you which the greek word there is Umay, which literally is like this double, triple negative thing. I don't know anything about English. I flunked it all throughout school days. But it literally means basically he's saying, Jesus is saying, I will never, 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 ever, never, never, never. No, I will never leave you. Amen. Wow. But then Peter steps up and he says, Jesus. If I have to die with you, I will die with you. I will never leave you. Ume! Peter said, if I have to die with you, I will never, 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 no, never, 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 never leave you. Yet? <laughs> God has a way of taking your no, 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 never, never, never ways and making and turning them into what the psalm says. Psalm says, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need. Listen, I made all these mistakes, right? I was a horrible, horrible military parent. I made them all. I had a father that left me, abandoned me, and I love you. If you're watching, Dad, I love you. It's all under the blood. But I didn't have any examples. And I swore I would never, 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 no, never be like my dad. You better be careful when you say no, never, 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 no, no, never. God has a way of turning that all around. Because until you become a parent, you don't know what my dad was going through. I, I vowed I would love my children never yell at them. Guess what I did? I yelled at them 18,000 times a day. No, never. Not me. I would never do that. Some of you in this room said, no, I would never do that. And you're doing it. Somebody in this room would say you would never end up in like, you know, you've got to be careful what you say. I remember saying things like, I would never put a needle in my arm. And I never have yet, but I learned through other things that be careful when you look at other people and you dehumanize them. And you put them in a box and you say, that's a box that I will never, 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 no, never go in. That's a box you're probably headed for. Because your heart in those statements proves it's not well-compassioned. But for the grace of God, there go I. I could be just like that in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's right. If you don't know that about yourself, stick around. But Jesus stood up and said, Catherine Gobel Johnson... Pastor Joel Wright, Joe Bickley, Tino, Dan Trombley, no matter what is coming against you, whether it be health, or whether it be a lack of wealth, Whether it be persecutions from within or persecutions from without. If your wife turns against you. Whatever the situation. If everybody says, I don't want to hear another word you have to say. It doesn't matter. Jesus stands and says, I will never, 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 no, never, never, never leave you nor forsake you. Ume, That's who you're serving. So as you stand to your feet and as Pastor Joel prepares to come, I want to remind you the God you serve right now is a God that will never leave you nor forsake you. Encourage you to take the challenge today and move away from what you've known. Move away from the box that you and society have put yourself in. To be challenged, to be unoffendable, to let hatred nowhere near your digestive system. You can have a renewed heart. But unless you keep the digestive tract spiritually clean, you will ruin... That's why so many people, you see them get a touch from God. You see them move, God move on them. And they get a genuine renewed mind. It's real. They can walk right back out of here in the process of time, whatever that time frame is. They'll go right back to that same mind because you must keep... Your spiritual digestion tract free of things that don't belong there. Raise your hands, close your eyes, and give the Lord some praise right now as Pastor Joel comes.
0: Hallelujah. In 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 the name of Jesus. 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 Let me tell you what. Sometimes I think we get so caught up in the in we 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 very we get tunnel vision and we only see sort of the moment. I want to I want to take just a moment. I'm gonna zoom you out. stand, you can keep standing. I'm not gonna be alone. Just zoom out thirty thousand feet for a second. Let me tell you what God's doing. He's been doing it. Brother Trombley started his text today, Ephesians four chapter seventeen, but. The previous six verses before that, starting with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, up through verse 16, is talking about the body of Christ, the equipping of the body of the Christ, that the body of Christ would be able to function. At the end of that chapter, uh, of, that, that, of that thought before uh, verse 17, which kind of changed its direction, and we read today, the end of that, verse 16, says that a body that is fitly formed together, that is healthy, that is that is working together in love, in love. will grow. It will grow. It's a it's a it's a if you do X, then this is going to happen. If you do this, if the body is functioning and working in love, it will grow. Now, let's just be frank for a moment. As awesome as God is, as much as the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost is evident in everything we do, we're in a room today that's half full. For what we have and what God's able to do, there shouldn't be a room in this county that could hold us. So what does that say? That says that there's some, still some things in our body that are not healthy, that we need to change. And, and when we get those things change, changed and we begin to build in love, then this is going to happen. You say, well, you know, I don't know about that. Exactly. Let me tell you this real quickly. I've used this before. I use it again. Hope, which is our oldest daughter, she is uh, twelve and a half years old. She just crossed over five foot four. Pray for our budget. It's between shoes and clothes. It's she's so. There's not one time that her mother and I ever, in the twelve and a half years of her growth, have had to go into her bedroom at night. Put a hand over her and say in the name of Jesus, Oh God, let this baby grow. Oh God, let her grow. Let these arms grow. Let these legs grow. Let these feet grow. Let it grow. I've never gone to my wife at night and said, Kate, we got a problem. What's the matter? We need to fast and pray. Why? We need to fast and pray for hope to grow. We're not praying hard enough. No, no. Am I negating prayer and fasting? No. But you know what? As a parent our job was to make sure she was healthy our make sure our job was to make sure she had everything she needed to grow because if she had those things she would grow here's why if she was 12 and a half years old and 2 feet tall would we need a word from god to say she ain't healthy would we need angels to come down and say thus saith the lord joel and kate your daughter is not healthy she's 12 and a half years old and she's 2 feet tall something's wrong All this stuff. You know what? A visit to the doctor is not always the most pleasant thing. How many of you get to say, guess what I get to do tomorrow? (laughs) I get to go to the doctor. (laughs) And he's going to poke and prod me. Usually it's the last thing you want to do. And a lot of times the doctor, discovered the other day, he pushes and goes where it hurts. He uncovers things that... May require a immediate change. Why? Because he wants you to be healthy. You know what God's doing? He's the great physician. And you know what God's doing? It's not comfortable. God's putting us in some spiritual MRIs. Some spiritual CAT scans. He's doing some spiritual physicals. And he's saying, listen. There's some things that aren't healthy here. And you know what the problem is? You can mask a lot of problems. And a lot of you, we've been there, right? We have physical problems, and you know what? You got pain. I had pain in my hip for years, and I just lived with it. And there'd be days I'd drag this hip along, until finally I was at a doctor, and the doctor said to me, i give you an option. Either we give you an artificial hip in a year, or we have surgery in two months. I'm like, option B, thank you. I don't need that artificial quite yet. At that time, it was, we've got to do something because you can't keep just pretending nothing's wrong. Yes, there are some things, I've said it, thankfully now Brother Trombley's jumped on me, so I'm not the only one, him and I can go together. He said some things that when you hear them, it may not make you feel like jumping up and down, but it's saying there's some things in your spirit and your heart and in this body that need to be addressed. Why? Because we need to be healthy. We need to be healthy. And in order to be healthy, you've got to point out some things that are not healthy. And God, for whatever reason, I can't tell you why, He's chosen this body. He's chosen you, did your part. And we will be a healthy body. I speak it in Jesus' name. And you know one thing we've done, that I've tried to do? My wife and I had this conversation. Is that we all, everybody in here would take ownership of this. That it wouldn't be coming from the pulpit and you be the cheerleaders going, that's great. But we all say, this belongs to me. This is mine. This is what I feel. This is how we do. This is us. This is not you. It's not this is... Pastor Wright's church, this is Pastor Wright's deal. This is our calling. This is my place. Any Aok what God is doing belongs to me. You take ownership of it. And when you take ownership of it, then you're willing to invest and say, God, whatever you've got to do in me, do it so that I can be a part of what you're doing. Instead of saying, do it through him. I'll stay back and live in my mess and my junk, but I'll cheer him on. We take ownership. And I've watched the last two, 18 months, I've watched little by little, more and more of you take ownership. And we're in a little bit of a sifting period because there's some of you that haven't taken ownership yet. That I don't know if you're going to be able to go all the way where God's taking us. Because you know what? It's too much still where this is everybody else and you're along for the ride. But you know what, Brother Chambly? It's yours. Today, you stood here today, you took ownership of it. It was ownership. You small group leaders, can I say this? I'm going to close my eyes so I don't pick out any one of you. Small group leaders, if you don't take ownership of it, the group that you are in is not going to be a part and go where Antioch West is going. And it's going to be obvious to everybody what groups are going and what groups are not. And you can blame everybody else, but it's going to come down to the fact the small group leader has to take ownership of it and say, you know what? That's not what's coming across the pulpit, and we're just going to conform. But we believe this because we've taken ownership of it. We're not here to conform, but Jesus, transform me. I'm tired of preaching. I'm tired of seeing. I'm tired of living in conformity. I want to be transformed. Brother Tromley, today you were talking, this is transformation. It's not conformity. It's not, you do this and we we'll do that. But it's, we need to be transformed. And how do you transform? Renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind. When your mind changes, there's transformation that happens. Would you ask God... To do whatever he has to do in you so that you can take ownership of what he's doing in this body. That it's not about you're just, this is okay, well, that's where I go to church. Well, you know, I go there to church. But no, no, no. You don't go there, but this is you. This is a part of you. You take ownership. That's That's a completely different thing. I don't go to that church. This is a part of me. I own it. Can you pray and ask God to help you? Feel that, be connected to that, whatever God's doing in you. Come on, let's be open just for a moment and ask God, Father, I pray now in your name, turn your light on my heart today. God, we have seen the truths of your word as they have illuminated the darkness of our hearts. And some guys, God, truth hurts. Truth's painful. Truth reveals things that we don't want to reveal. And God, sometimes that makes our flesh uncomfortable because truth cuts through the facade. But God, I pray today that you would speak truth into our life, that you would prick us with the word of truth. You ask Paul on that road, how much longer will you kick against the pricks? God, don't let us kick against the pricks of your conviction. Don't let us get uh, to, prick, uh, to kick against the pricks of your truth and your word. But God, let us fall upon the cross and say, God, I want to be crucified with you today. Let us deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow you and to lay down ourselves and lay down our perts and lay down our pains and lay down our misconceptions and our past thoughts and say, God, whatever you want and whatever you want to do, I'm willing to lay down on the cross and follow you. Let that be done in us today. Let that be done in me, in me, in me, in Joel Wright today. Let that be done in all of us today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, would you just lift your hands to the Lord one more time and let's just love him and give him thanks. You don't have to do it very loud, but come on, let's just seal this in our hearts today through the word. Can we seal this today through our 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 acknowledgement of who he is and let his spirit seal it in our heart? Come on, the birds of the air want to pluck this out. The the winds of life want to blow it away, but his word is a seed planted into the depths of the soil of our heart. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Would you clap your hands and let's give the Lord thanks one more time? Praise God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother Trombley, for the faith and the courage to obey God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Really quickly, one more time to make sure you understand if you would help us break down. We don't need to bring the tables in. We're just taking up uh, tomorrow, 11 a.m. for the funeral. For those of you who'd like to, uh for Brother Roger, we at Barranco's. If you could help us with food, please make sure you see my wife. The food time drop-off is 10 to 1 at the building in Arnold. God bless you. Shake somebody's hand. Let's go to small group today and digest the word. Amen.